Welcome to Movie Maker Interviews. Our guest today is Gina Prince-Bythewood, director of the new Netflix film, The Old Guard. The film stars Charlize Theron as the leader of a band of warriors trying to do good in the modern world. Spoiler alert, they're hundreds of years old. There are twists aplenty and Gina Prince-Bythewood and I are pretty careful to talk around them. Her previous films include Love and Basketball, The Secret Life of Bees, and Beyond the Lights. This episode, we also talk about her early work in TV and how she got into film school at UCLA. Then we talk about how her taking on a Marvel Comics TV show, Cloak and Dagger, changed her career. And we talk about a project that I really want to see, Silver and Black, starring the Marvel Comics characters, the Silver Sable, and the Black Cat. I'm Tim Malloy, and if you enjoy this episode of Movie Maker Interviews, I urge you to subscribe and rate us on iTunes or wherever you like to rate things. Also, if you're a filmmaker trying to make a movie in these ridiculous times, I want to invite you to contact us about Movie Maker Production Services, which can double the budget of any project budgeted at $10,000 or more through partnerships with our sponsors. You can hit up tim at moviemaker.com or just reach out to us on the socials at moviemakermag. DMs are open. And now, here's the director of The Old Guard, Gina Prince-Bythewood. I, I wanted to start by thanking you for sending me down last night a Different Strokes rabbit hole. Um, <laughs> you mentioned Different Strokes in an interview with Vulture. And I, did. I, was, <laughs> I was obsessed as a kid. And then I had, like, when you mentioned it, I had to go back and, like, read up to see if it was as good as I remembered. Does it hold up? I'm very curious. I think it does. Because... Wow. I was reading like reviews of the uh, the famous bicycle episode, and it got <laughs> the very reviews. special bicycle episode. <laughs> so thank you for that. Uh, I might have to go down the same <laughs> the same hole. <laughs> well, there's just such good episodes. I mean, you worked in sitcoms for a while too. Like you worked mm-hmm. on Different World, and just sitcoms then just took on things that they would never dream of taking on now. Oh, absolutely, it is. And it is fun. I mean, I joke, but it is true. Like we all did our very special episode, but certainly on Different World, we we took on a lot of pretty deep stuff. Yeah, that was a great show too. Yeah. So, what made you want to do the Old Guard? Um, I mean, I I love action films, and had always had a desire to do one. Was waiting for Hollywood to kind of catch up to my uh, my desire and dream. Um, and then Skydance sent me the script and foremost, a huge fan of Skydance and the films that they do. And I had, you know, just been obsessed with MI6, which had, which had come out and uh, that bathroom fight scene, which was so next level. It just inspired me and like, I want to do that, you know, and they sent me the script and, and I fell in love with it. I um, just felt like everything I wanted to do in this space, given that it's an action drama, um, that it had two women at the heart of it, one being a young black female, just had characters like Joe and Nikki, which I felt we hadn't seen in the genre before. Yeah. I loved what the film had to say um, and the story had to say about finding your purpose, about doing good in the world. And uh, the characters moved me, what they were struggling with. And they felt very relatable, despite the fact that they are mostly immortal. Yeah. Joe and Nikki, the two men who are in love, there's a really big scene where they're sort of, someone makes like a homophobic joke and then they turn it 
in the most beautiful way. And you just, you just feel that you're watching something amazing and different and new as it happens. It's such a beautiful moment. I understand that Greg Rucka, who originally, is it Rucka or Ruka? Rucka. Rucka. That Greg Rucka, who originally wrote the comic book, stipulated that that scene had to be in the movie? Yeah, he did um, with Skydance. And, you know, the thing is, there was no argument for me. They didn't even have to, you know, let me know about that. That was one of the things I love so much about it. And um, I would have fought tooth and nail to keep it in. And, uh, you know, I just thought it was a beautiful speech that anybody would want to hear. And I love that it, it happened between those two characters. Was there anything else that really attracted you to the material? Mm -hmm. um, I mean, once I read the script and as I said, I, I love the script. And then I went to go read his graphic novel and just fell in love all over again. And there's something not only to the words, but the way Leandro, the illustrator, you know, drew these characters as well. They just, I just dug them. And again, they just moved me and that that's, something as an artist that, that I strive to do in my work and what connects me to characters. Um, I love the challenge of how can I bring this thing that's on paper, that's so inventive um, and different, how can I translate that um, into film and bring my aesthetic um, to the genre? Those were all challenges that I wanted for myself as a filmmaker. Um, but it it always has to start with, am I inspired by the story and the characters? And I absolutely was. Um, I just turned on my video because I realized it wasn't there you on. Are. That's, yeah, I, I realized that you were looking at an orange thing and I was like, <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> good. Um, what was the hardest part of making this movie? Um, the hardest part was you know, I think it was, it was the stamina. Um, it's something, it's interesting. I, I, Patty Jenkins was so incredibly helpful to me. We had a couple um, meals because I just wanted to pick her brain about what it's like. And, and that was one of the things that she talked about is the stamina that it takes. And, you know, my last film, Beyond the Lights, you know, was 33 days. And this was 63 days and nine and a half months of prep you know, it's a lot to maintain that level of focus, that level of pressure, that level of stress for that amount of time. Um, and so, yeah, that was the toughest. And you can't get sick. You, you yeah. can't get depressed. You can't get angry. You have to, you know, you got to be like this. Um, so I, I absolutely attribute, you know, my time as an athlete, knowing what it means to have stamina and fight and, um, and, being in a sustained fight for that amount of time, because that's what it is in, in always making sure that your vision gets up on screen. But that, and then being away from my family was very, very tough, um, which is why when I take something, it has to mean something. I have to be passionate about it um, because that's, you know, it gets surreal to be away from your, your kids that long. Yeah, that's an incredible amount of time. Yeah. I mean, they did visit the, don't get it twisted. It wasn't like, I was like, yeah, <laughs> but it's, it's a totally different thing of getting to see them for two weeks as opposed to, you know, months at a time. It was a lot. See, I'm so dumb. I looked at it and I was like, those locations to get to go visit all those places, completely forgetting, like you've got two teenagers. That would be. Yeah. Though so the beauty of it for my scouting, I took uh, my older son, and that was, I mean, we got to go, we went to France, uh, we went to Paris and Nice, we went to Morocco, 
um, to to both Marrakesh and Air Food and went to the Sahara and then um, then the UK. So he got to experience that. I got to experience that on someone else's dime, <laughs> staying in the best places with the best restaurants. So that part of it, I love my job that we got to do that. Of course, the younger son is like, yo, <laughs> what do I get out of this? But yeah. <laughs> Not the worst. <laughs> well, can we go back to love and basketball? I, I read an interview you did with Collider a while ago where you talked about the time when no one would say yes. And we have so many filmmakers in our audience who are in that stage right now where they're just like, I just need one person to say yes. Yeah. Can you talk about sort of that moment of don't give up before the miracle where mm -hmm. you were before someone said yes and what it was like when they did? Yeah, I mean, it, it, that is, this industry is about overcoming now, absolutely. Um, and that being in film school absolutely set the tone for that um, because when I applied at UCLA Film School, I did not get in, which was soul crushing because I knew at that moment in time that was the only thing I wanted to do um, and tried to appeal the decision and the counselor said, you can't do that. And then went back and trust me, there were a lot of tears in between that. But then I just wrote this impassioned letter to the head of the film school, this woman named Ruth Schwartz. And two days after I sent it, she called me and let me in. And like that changed the trajectory of my career. And so having that memory of never giving up and overcoming no, and knowing I just needed one person to say yes, um, like I've used that for everything. Um, and certainly love and basketball that knowledge you just need one yes um but it's hard don't get me wrong there are many days where i was on the floor um but it was it was for one using that time and not just sitting back and waiting i kept i used that year and a half of continually trying to improve the script and just working on it working on it working on it um and then there are i'll say happy accidents yet you have to be prepared for those those ha those unexpected moments and that was Sundance yeah. um, hearing about the script and calling me in for a conversation and being making sure I was so prepared for that moment and them giving me the opportunity to be a part of that program um, and now the fact that there are so many of those programs out there absolutely apply to all of them because they really do work um, and then them putting on a, a reading of Love and Basketball, that, that changed everything because it allowed the industry to hear it out loud and, and see it. But for that reading, I was up, um, it was, I had a week and I literally maybe slept five hours total in that week. It was just, this is my shot. Just keep writing, keep making it better. What can you do? What can you do? What can you do? So it's putting in that absolute grind so that you meet the moment. And, uh, and it, it made all the difference because Spike Lee's company was there and, and said, we want to do this. God, that's going to be beyond inspiring to people who really feel kind of stuck in a quagmire right now, especially where no matter how good the project is, mm -hmm. almost no one can make anything. So it's yeah. just take that time to really get the script tight, to get everything exactly right. Absolutely. I might I might be misunderstanding like sort of the career trajectory, but it seems to me like things sort of broke open into this comic book universe with Cloak and Dagger, or was Silver and Black happening even before that? 
Um, no, Silver and Black happened after that, but I took Cloak and Dagger because I wanted to move into that space. And uh, so it was absolutely intentional, but I loved those characters. Yeah. Um, and I loved the script that Joe Pekaski had written. Um, but when you get something that says Marvel across the top of it, like, you know, you sit up, you sit up and, and you know, raise your hand. <laughs> I mean, I think we all love Marvel now, like since about 2008-ish, it's kind of just been our whole world. Were you it a comic has... book person before or? Um, growing up, I was more into Archie. I was obsessed with Archie comics. Um, but so I was never really into the superhero comics, but Marvel absolutely changed the game. And, and I became a full on believer and one of those who were anticipating every single film that came out. I think what Kevin Feige did was pretty phenomenal in connecting all of these disparate characters into one universe and building towards that. Um, I mean, that it was ingenious and it certainly got me connected to it and wanting to know more about each and every character. Um, but as I watched that, then I start to get that thing. Well, I want to do that. I yeah. think I could do that. Um, what, what can I bring to the genre? And it was really about waiting for Hollywood to catch up to my desire. You're probably so sick of answering questions about Silver and Black, but like I, I came into Spider-Man at exactly the time that Black Cat was a huge character and right when Silver Sable uh, was mm -hmm. becoming a huge character. And to me, like Black Cat is Spider-Man's girlfriend, not Mary Jane Watson. <laughs> like just because of when I, <laughs> just because of what I started reading comics. Do you think that will happen? Like, do you think that story mm -hmm. will happen? Yeah, I love those characters so much. And yeah, Black Cat and Spider-Man's relationship is incredibly dope and twisted and, and complicated in the best way. And Silver Sable is a very cool character. Um, honestly, there are a little bit of shades of Andy um, in, in Silver Sable, given the way that they were raised and, and being the best fighter out there and, and the woman in that world. Um, I mean, I hope so. I love the script. Uh, that I wrote and uh, there was a lot of support for it. It just, it just didn't happen. And maybe we're at a different time now. It certainly the industry really within the last two years feels like there's been a dramatic shift given that this year there were going to be six films, big blockbuster films directed by women um, in the same year. It's never happened before. If this year, and I'm still praying that it will, they will come out in theaters because I'm excited about every single one. If there is success in, in these films, then I think that it, it will have another opportunity. God, I would love to see that happen. I mean, because there's so many characters who just haven't gotten their due. And yeah. you found some of them. I mean, Cloak and Dagger are incredible characters. Yeah. And yeah. No, there's a couple I would love to, uh, love to bring to life. Is there anyone else <laughs> who you can talk about or? Not, not yet, I'm percolating. <laughs> um, I don't want to spoil anything about the old guard because I want people to see it, but mm -hmm. it does definitely seem like you very nicely set up some universe building <laughs> and that there could be more of these. Are you interested in going back into this world? Uh, it, it Honestly, it is all up to the audience and if they want to see more, um, Greg, he always envisioned this as a trilogy and actually the second book just came out a couple of weeks ago. So I know where the story is going and it's pretty great. So if the audience wants more, there's absolutely more story to tell. 
I mean, I'm not going to ruin it, but it has one of those Kill Bill Volume 1 endings <laughs> where it ch- kind of changes everything and you go, oh my god. I love that. <laughs> it's very good. It's a very fun movie. Oh, um, good. How did you make the musical choices? Like, the music is kind of different than I thought it was going to be. It went, like, more of a... I don't even know. It's just every single time it was counterintuitive to what I thought it like. I, th- I thought it would be gloomy and it would be bright. Like, how did you make those decisions? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I love I love songs for score, and it's absolutely something that that has moved through all of my films. And in in going after this one, uh, music was a big part of my pitch, and I just wanted to have this to have a, a different musical flavor to it than I think what's normally expected, and. Uh, it was, I don't know, it's a guttural thing when I hear a song, I just feel it in a moment. So, um, and I, I just, you said counter, and I, I kind of felt that way. The music had to set a tone in this film, absolutely. This is a violent movie, um, but I never wanted it to feel like a celebration of violence. And I felt that musical choices could absolutely help that. So like, for instance, in the in the church, Andy's, killing 19 people. Um, so what kind of tone could I set so that that doesn't just drag us down, you know, emotionally. And, and I felt like, let's make it operatic. Let's lean into who she is as a character, um, who we've set up. And so, you know, always, always trying to counter expectations, but hopefully never taking an audience out of the moment. What is it like to work with Charlize Theron on a movie like this at this point when she's done a lot of like hand-to-hand combat action movies? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's about, um, I knew going in that I wanted this film to feel grounded and real and that needed to permeate the action. And I knew I wanted the action to be character driven and emotional and tell a story. And so I needed the actors to really be doing it. And um, in talking with Charlize in, in our first meeting, you know, the thing about her is because she's done it before, I already had that trust she has i believe her in action scenes and that's that's a big deal it's not it's not just about learning choreography and and um you know getting techniques down we have to as an audience believe the intent behind those punches um and kicks and that you are a warrior and so i had that trust um you know the bigger one was kiki who had never done anything like this at all before yeah. I knew she had the chops uh, as an actor. I loved her audition. It was like within five seconds. It's like, oh yeah, you're Nile. And I believed her as a Marine, which was a tough thing in, when I was looking for women to play her. Um, but it was our conversation afterwards of me talking to her and letting her know, you know, it's not like those cool videos you see when actors do action films and they cut together themselves training and it's cut to music and it's sexy and it looks fun. It's like, no, it is what she did two day two a days for five days a week for months to yeah. get to look the way she did so that I didn't have to cut around her so I could really be on her when she's doing it. And I believed her and trusted her when she said I will do everything I have to uh to be good in this film. Kiki feels like an actor's actor because she's one of those people she I didn't even recognize her at first from <laughs> Bill Street, which is a movie that I loved because she's completely different. Like Yeah, I her range, and that's the thing, when I was casting for Nile, uh, Barry invited me to an early cut of Beale Street, and I was I was watching and like, wow, she's a really good actress, but nah, she couldn't be Nile, she's too soft. 
Um, so when she came in and killed the audition, I was like, okay, she's she's the real deal. The fact that she could do Bill Street and be Nile, like that says that says a lot. Um, I know we're low on time. Is there anything I should have asked that I didn't ask? Anything that everyone else has asked that I forgot to ask? <laughs> I would just say, you know, one of the things I, I really dug about this film is just the organic um, diversity of it. The fact that you've got these characters from different backgrounds and, and cultures and sexual orientations and genders that have come together to save the world. I think that that is a beautiful thing and something that inspired me and I feel like when I look up at this film, like I'm seeing the world that I see outside as opposed to just one thing that I think we've gotten used to in the genre. So I was very excited about that. And given where we are, unfortunately in the world with this pandemic, I think if it has not taught us that we are all connected globally um, and that's what you know these characters say to me, let's work together, let's do the right thing, let's do good in the, in the short time that we have. Yeah, there's there's things I want to ask about, particularly in the very final credit sequence, but I don't want to ruin the movie for people. But I'll just say it, it has such a sweep and it has such a heart and emotion to it hmm. that a normal action movie doesn't have. It has some importance and resonance about what it is to be a person that you just don't usually see. No, but, thank you for that. That is absolutely what Greg Rucka created in his graphic novel and what I was so excited about, about putting up on screen. I wish I was allowed to say more. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll just have to talk after it comes yeah, out. Exactly.